Hey guys, and welcome to season three of the Us People podcast. I'm your host, Savia Rox, and in this season, I get to make my guests laugh, cry, and even make them think about life a little differently with the questions I fire over to them, which digs into their lives and professions a little differently. We even had a chance to change up the intro, giving you a fresh new sound. I look forward to sharing season three of the Us People podcast with you. Let's go. Hi, my name is Joe Reese. I'm a maker of terrariums, and you're listening to the Us People podcast with Xavier Rocks. Made up my mind, now is my time to shine. Now is my time to shine. Time that you let go, time that you let go. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Yes People podcast. I'm your host, Sally Rocks, and today I'm humbled to have Joe here with me. Joe is the owner of OWN, but also... See, I'm going to get this wrong straight away, Joe, and Joe's looking at me like, is she going to get this wrong? He's the terrarium dude. He told me to call him the terrarium maker dude, which I totally love. And I'm sure you're looking and listening and thinking to yourself, what are terrariums? But we're gonna get into that a little bit later. But the first thing I wanna do is I wanna welcome Joe on the show. Joe, thank you so much for taking your time to come on the Ask People podcast. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. This is my first ever podcast. So Serious, I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I love your calmness. Even before oh, we thanks. begin, you are utterly calm. That's really- yeah, not- I've, got, I've had a G and T, so you know, oh. I've dulled my nerves a little bit. Man, you should have posted me one. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> just so everyone knows, we are recording this at eight o'clock at night, so I'm not, I'm not a drunk. <laughs> He's lying, guys. It's eight o'clock in the morning. He started early. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Joe, please tell me. I would love to know more about you. So, could you tell us a bit about yourself, but also where you grew up, and how that influenced you to be the person who you are today? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, well, I grew up in a village called Greet, which is near a place called Cheltenham. Uh, it's a very rural place. Um, I, I suppose in terms of where I am now with terrariums and everything else in, in the sense of being uh, somewhat artistic, I grew up with a dad who's very artistic and my sister as well. We'd spend a lot of time as kids like painting and like drawing comics and I particularly love doing like intricate kind of like scenes and I used to draw little stickmen battles and big robots and basically things with a lot of intricate detail where the more you looked and you discover new things, you know? And I did a lot of art through school and I think it was my earliest uh, ego trip where for a time I was very like good for my age and I would get told that by other kids and teachers and I was like, yeah, okay, this is my thing. This is what's going to make me feel good because um, I was pretty rubbish at most other things. And I sort of did it throughout Aww. school and did it to GCSEs and that, that whole thing. But um, got to the point where when you get to that level at school doing something like art, and I think it's the same for things like music, things that obviously more about should be more about freedom of expression and creativity. I agree. You get that kind of thing where they try and box you in, you know? Yeah. And it's like, this is the criteria, there's a test, these are the judges, they're going to mark you on X, Y, and Z. And I had that with a teacher who was like, she was she was lovely, like she's just doing her job, but she was like, the final project in GCSE was, oh, you have to um, 
uh, you have to do this big thing on like an A2 piece of cardboard and use acrylic paint. And I was like, I fucking hate acrylic paint and I hate cardboard. I'm not doing that. I want to do an A4 watercolor. And she was like, if you, you can do what you want, but you're going to, you're going to fail if you do that. And I was like, no, I'm going to do it. And I remember I did it. And I think purely because it was probably something different compared to what the judges were used to seeing. I got like, I got top marks. See, But even, even despite that, it kind of put me off art and, at that age, you know, you become interested in certain other things, I suppose, going from, you know, 17 onwards. Um, and I kind of lost it. And after then, whenever I try and put like paper to pen and, you know, a paper to pen, paper, pen to paper, um, I got really frustrated with myself because I wasn't as good as I wanted to be anymore. Like I'd lost that thing of being good relative to where I was. Like I thought everything I did was shit. And so I kind of just threw oh. it away. Um, but then after university i i did philosophy at university which obviously doesn't lead you into any specific career so i joined the civil service as one does um which was okay but progressively soul crushing over time and i realized like i had started doing something that i'd always said to myself that i wouldn't do which was doing the whole nine to five office job in a position which was pretty low down on the ladder felt like i was doing nothing and so i kind of started to fill my time with different outlets like i guess exercise to a certain extent um, obviously socializing cooking was a big one and the other thing was making terrariums um i don't remember exactly why i started making terrariums i know that me and my sister had once had a chat about having like a terrarium shop or something offhand and my partner had made me a terrarium for christmas when we first got together and it was the one thing out of all of my pursuits at that time where people were saying to me oh you know, I've never seen something like that before. Or, oh, I'd buy one of those. Yeah. And then when COVID rolled around, it was a time when I was supposed to be moved up in my job, but because of what was happening with the civil service, they kind of fucked everyone around and I ended up getting moved down. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take a leap. I'm out and I'm going to try and start this business, mm-hmm. um, which I did. And I realized that I was recapturing that kind of artistic joy that I had really when I was a kid, because it was the same kind of design where, it wasn't necessarily reliant on like a kind of minute, um, careful or like mathematical detail, but just sort of like a full natural kind of wild design style where kind of everything is, you know, that thing of when you, like I say, when you look in close, there's more and more going on, which I think is the really fun thing about terrariums because it's, it's, it's obviously, I said this just before I think the show started, but it's a really fun intersection between art and nature and science. Mm -hmm. So you get to create something beautiful. It works through science in a natural way, but also evolves over time and changes. Um, and also you can charge quite a lot of money for them. So all those, all those things considered, you know. I love your honesty. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can. <laughs> oh, man. So I went on your website and I saw so many things. I've actually got your website right in front of me. And oh, nice. You've got some beautiful terrariums, which I would most probably buy them all, to be quite honest with you. So when I get my massive, huge house, you're going to get the best phone call from me. It's just saying, can you just do my whole front room in terrariums, please? Yeah, man. No, we'll just make you a terrarium to live in. That do you know be what? House. I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> I am such a nature person. I oh, would, really? Yeah, seriously. I would live in I would live in one. If you had like, you know what? I might get an architect to come and design one with you where you could make a terrarium house. That would be super cool. Yeah, that'd be sick. And I'd love to do, I've thought about this like, Oh, what's the way you could get <laughs> not the most money, but I thought what's the be- what's the like <laughs> what's most the way genius you could way get you the could most do? Money? <laughs> <laughs> but like if you were because 
you could have like whole like walls of your house, right? And I was thinking, oh, there's probably people in California and Beverly Hills will pay tens of thousands of pounds for something like that. But anyway, that's not my motivation. I don't care about money, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Oh, man. Okay, this is totally your topic now. So yeah. I want to know more about you, okay? Sure. And this is one of the questions I absolutely love to ask every guest that comes on the show because I feel it's kind of like soul searching in a way. Hmm. So could you define who you see in the mirror but what does your reflection say back to you when you look in the mirror? But on the flip side of that question, has there ever been a time in your life where you have looked in the mirror, Joe, but not recognised the person staring back at you? How did that make you feel? But also, how did you come back, mm. I should say, to being the person who you are now where you feel happy? Hmm. That's a good question. And I've, I, like I say, I've listened to some of your show, which I love, and I've heard you ask that question. And that was a question that made me nervous. because I was like, oh, God, like, I consider myself quite an introspective person anyway, but it's a, that is a great question. Um, and I don't know, I suppose, in terms of who I see, how I see myself, I guess, you know, it's a bit of a cop out answer, but uh, I see myself as constantly changing and evolving, not necessarily evolving forward, but, you know, it's hard to see myself uh, in a rigid way. I suppose in terms of who I'd like to see myself as or who I'd like to be, it's someone that is striving for, like, balance in my life in as many ways as possible, and I guess moderation and even the moderation of moderation Um and also, I suppose, a, a very much a sort of desire uh, and a striving to explore and discover new things. Um, mm. I'm very much like, I don't think, I don't know, and there must be a word for it. I don't think it, it's not hedonism, because that's about pleasure seeking, isn't it? But yeah. I just love like collecting experiences and having those allow me to um, see the world and see reality in as many new ways as possible see it from as many people's perspectives, you know. Um, so I guess, like, my ideal version of myself that I would see as someone who is capable of doing that, and that would lead me to be content. Um, in terms of a time when I've felt like I don't see the person I'd want to see in myself, yeah. therefore being, I suppose, disingenuous, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean... There are times, I suppose, situations you get put in every now and again where you feel like you're being disingenuous. If you're put in front of a certain type of person or crowd or situation, yeah. maybe you feel uncomfortable and that you're not being true to yourself. I suppose, though, I wouldn't have really known it at the time, but in retrospect, there was a time in school, like for about a year or so, I got sort of quite badly bullied. And I suppose that was a time that I felt probably the least happy and least connected with myself yeah. but ultimately it was a very good thing like I'm very happy that that happened but that was probably the least connected I felt with or the least the time I've let like least wanted to look at myself you know yeah. actually literally in the mirror but also metaphorically I love that you, know? you said to me that was a cop-out answer but to me that wasn't a cop-out answer at all I think that's yeah. one of, I think that's one of the most beautiful answers I've ever had oh sound yeah it's it's pretty cool because you talk about balance and not many people actually talk about balance mm. i think they, yeah they talk about it's, things that's happened in their lives that 
kind of conflict with who they are and how they're feeling. Mm. I just think, I guess I'm always like, my motivation to do things and be happy very much comes, I think, from a fear of future regret. So basically, I'll look, I'll look at other people who are older than me or have had different experiences and see the things that they regret. And it's, it's not, I don't think it's often that you see too much discrepancy. Like there's probably a handful of things that people tend to regret. And I think usually it lies somewhere along the lines, if you were to zoom out of them, not leading a more balanced life, like they spent too much time doing this thing and not that thing, whatever, like, you know, too much time being this way and not that way, not finding that medium. And you know that, the endless pursuit of any one thing, whether it's happiness or wealth or uh, punishing yourself, whatever it is, like it's not going to, if you lean too hard on one side, you're, I mean, there's just something in, inherently better about being balanced in as many ways as you can. If that makes sense? No, it does. Yeah. It makes total sense to me. Let's talk about your values for life and how you feel. This is completely different. How you feel you lead people to victory in your own unique way because we all and it could be in business it could be family life it could be yourself but Mm. how do you feel you lead people to victory with your values with how you see things because just talking to you just now joe i can see that you have a really magnificent mind in the way that you capture things but also the way that you express them Mm. that's sweet thanks um god that's another good question um (laughs) how do i impact others in the sense that i'm able to lead them i don't know i suppose the way i'd like to try and influence people if i could insofar as it's reasonable to ask this of them is that they try to zoom out as much as possible to a bigger picture obviously that is a very easy thing to say when you are someone who's content and isn't necessarily dealing with horrible circumstances. And I wouldn't necessarily say that to someone who is, but I very much like take joy in the practical thing of just in any time of stress or whatever it is, um, any kind of conflict you have, whether it's real or internal, trying to abstract from your own ego and your own sense of self and get connected to some higher idea. I don't, I'm not religious, so I'm not talking about a higher power, but I, I just love the idea, you know, things like space and time and philosophy and history and, uh, you know, the laws of physics, like all of these great, amazing things and the, the nature of the universe and the origin of life on this planet and just how lucky we are, specifically us in England, in this country at this time how lucky we are to live the way that we do. And obviously, like everyone, you can live in this world and you can be the richest person in the world and still be miserable, and that's perfectly justifiable in many cases. But if you can find that thing where you can look at it from the outside perspective and go like, fucking hell, we're so lucky. Like, forget about phones and everything else for a second. Just having, like, fucking running water on tap. Like, electricity. Like, these are wild things. Like, a king's hundreds of years ago wouldn't even have dreamt of having like drinkable water on tap like that's mad actually i don't know if that's i don't know when drinkable tap water was a thing but the point (laughs) is trying to like abstract as much as you can you know to save yourself from becoming 
so obsessed with your own thoughts and your own world that you end up living in the mind rather than in the reality. Yeah. 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 I love that. I love that aspect of it. For people who don't know about terrariums, let's talk about what you do now because you spoke Mm. about a lot about you and I love that. So people have more of an intellect about who you are now. But also you spoke about the science of it, the creativity within it. These are the two things that I want to get more into. So Mm. first of all, Joe, could you break down what you do when it comes to building, making and also becoming creative? Because... If you guys ever have a chance to go on Joe's website, please do. The terrariums are beautiful. And it's such a beautiful thing to have in your home, in your garden, wherever you want it, in your studio, wherever you may have it. For anybody creative, I would recommend to have them. See, I plugged you there. It's so cool. Yeah. Thank you, man. <laughs> but no, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I totally love them because me being an earth sign as well, these are things that I just genuinely love to have. But for people who don't know what terrariums are and how you create them, could mm. you break this down for me? Yeah, this is going to test my ability to do an elevator pitch, I guess. Um, well, a terrarium, in essence, is a ecosystem that has been sealed or is contained within a vessel and functions in a way that mimics the environment at large. Yeah. So it works via having a system of layers that allow for water, oxygen, CO2, and nutrients all to cycle harmoniously. Um, This is within a sealed ecosystem, so you barely have to do anything, if if anything at all. There was a famous case that kind of re-kick-started the niche a little bit of a guy called David Latimer, who was this old guy who had a a terrarium in his attic for like over 50 years. It might have even stretched to 70-something years, um, only watered it once. Um, But the way you make them in a brief way, is that you have in this container, which is usually glass, first of all, a drainage layer. So there's something like gravel or sand that allows excess water to drain through. I then put on a filtration layer, which is activated charcoal. This allows like uh, any toxins that may be introduced from certain things uh, to be absorbed and kept away from the roots of the plants. You then have your substrate mix. Uh, it's usually a tropical substrate mix because the plants that you have inside of a sealed container have to enjoy humidity, so the tropical plants. And then you've got all your decorations, so things like stone or wood and your plants and your moss. Um, and obviously between the plants and the moss, they cycle oxygen and CO2. Um, and you can also include these little bugs inside. The ones I like to use are called springtails. So these really tiny little things, and they help break down um, decomposing organic matter. So if anything dies, they eat it and then feed nutrients back, and it just carries on going. That's pretty cool. I yeah, love that. Good fun. Now, I know the fundamental question. You just spoke about a guy who had one for about 50 to 70 years. Mm. Now, when I was doing my research, um, I heard that these could outlive us. So like he left, he's there for a good 70 years. That could live out so many people. What is the yeah. oldest one you've ever seen in your life? But also, what is the longevity of having one of these in your home? Um, honestly, because I've not been doing this for very long, I've only had um, the business for about two and a half years. And the oldest one that I have is that one that I mentioned my partner made me um, when we got together. So about five years ago, it's just over there. Um, So that one's five years old. And that's actually not fully sealed. Um, It's got a little opening at the top. and We've not had to touch that at all. In terms of the oldest one I've seen in real life, it's probably that one. I've not been on any, there aren't any terrarium conventions yet. Um, so I haven't seen any old ones other than the one on Google. Um, 
but I've seen people on forums talk about ones like this was a big thing, I think, in like the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Um, there was like a houseplant boom then, apparently, and terrariums were a part of that. And so I think there are some remnants from that time. So things that are like sort of 40, 50 years old from then as well. Oh, whoa. That's pretty yeah. cool, actually. The question yeah, cool. I was thinking, actually, when I was writing down my questions for you, Joe, one question stuck in my mind, and it was such a simple one. It was about kids and schools. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So my question is so simple. It was, do you think that terrarium should be um, brought up in school so that kids can learn more about growing things? Yeah, definitely. And this is something I've actually thought about doing um, myself, like doing a tour of different schools because I do workshops anyway. And I think it'd be a really cool thing to do because I know, obviously, you've got, I think they there are there have been schools that have done this. I know that there are kids that have done terrariums in their classes, but it's definitely not common. And I know that you in school, in like geography, you get taught about the water cycle on PowerPoint, no one gives a shit, it's boring. Having a practical real thing that you could see it actually happening. And it all happens quite fast, like the water cycle Sorry. happens like <laughs> uh, it, you know, it kicks in quite quickly and things start to grow quite quickly. So it would be it wouldn't be something you'd have to sort of wait and see. Like you could have it in the classroom and within like a couple of weeks, you could start to see changes, especially with like the inclusion of like microfauna and stuff. Yes. I would hope that it would be a really cool way to get kids to appreciate the nature of ecosystems. Cause I'm like, as I'm doing, I'm learning like this isn't stuff that I knew. I'm not a botanist or a scientist of any kind. Um, this is very much just like learning on the go. Um, but it's really fun and to learn all of the like little micro functions that everything has um, and what you can do to add years of life onto something uh, within a terrarium, you know. But yeah, I think it would be a really good thing for kids to do um, in schools, yeah. I think you should become a boss of having workshops for them so you can be the leader of going yeah. into schools and saying... Yeah, I'd love to do that. I think is with me, like this is going back to me being obsessed with collecting experiences is that within the business, I'm trying to do everything all at once, which is probably really terrible business advice, but I'm trying to do markets and workshops, e-commerce and like affiliate stuff and doing YouTube and like Instagram. And it's like, I'm definitely doing way too much. And there's no way right now I can cram schools in there. Do you know, do you know what it is, Joe? Is I think sometimes because we love what we do, we get so excited about it and then we're like, yeah, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. And yeah, yeah. I know in business people turn around and say maybe like don't do everything, do a certain amount. But some there yeah. are some people in the world who have managed to do a lot of things at once and still been very successful in their own definition, which is one of my questions which I ask everyone too. Um, yeah. So that you can, I still believe that you can do as many things as you like. It's just having enough time in today to be able to get them done. That's all it is. But once yeah. you have a good team around you, I'm sure you'll be able to establish those no problem. Yeah, that's the thing. These things, these things build slowly, and it's like, I guess, using seeds as as a metaphor is quite pertinent, and also quite, you know, it's. I've seen people who have done a business within the terrarium niche who have focused on one thing and they are doing potentially very well. Like they've gotten up here in that one thing. Whereas I've been doing these like seven things and I'm not up here on any of them, but all together they're kind of growing. So it's that thing of like, not in a, not in a comparative way, because whichever way you want to do it is great, but having, you can grow a quite a significant garden. It may take a little bit longer because you've got more things to tend to, but if you could do that and that's what you want to do, that's great. And I completely agree with 
you're saying that there isn't one methodology to be able to get whatever it is that you think would be yeah. success. Because, like, fuck that. It's like my, yeah. that art teacher telling to me, oh, you, you've got to do it this way. It's like, no, well, I don't, and I won't do it this way. And I'll prove that I don't have to do it this way. And then, you know, I'm proven right. I'm not saying that we should all go out and rebel. But <laughs> I think you are, and I agree with you, man. I'm well, what you. I'm Let's about to say is completely going to contradict that. <laughs> so, as you can see, that me and Joe are quite rebellious. <laughs> yeah, and um, it's usually the ones. This sounds so. This is going to sound so bad, but it sounds so good at the same time. Usually, the ones that rebel end up being the ones that succeed in life. Yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely true. I think. Six, yeah, succeed in their own terms, perhaps yeah. not necessarily succeed in the conventional way, but it almost, it almost, success almost demands that you rebel in some way, doesn't it? Because it's like a good example for me would be with like Instagram and social media. I've done quite well on Instagram, um, and that's partly because it's just a great niche, like not very many people are doing it. It's a very aesthetically pleasing thing, so it works perfectly. But like the advice I see people give to other people on Instagram almost always is like follow trends, use trending music, like jump on. Basically, the advice boils down to copy what everyone else is doing. <laughs> I'm just like, how the fuck? Why? How is that good advice? Like, it's not that no one's got successful from copying. Obviously, they have. There are some motherfuckers copying me out there and they're doing well. But it's like how surely the better advice is like look whether or not you become objectively successful doing something that you feel is authentic and that you enjoy and feels more true to your thing and is original will always be better yeah. and will hopefully reward you long term as long as you're self-aware enough to make you know decisions to in, in order to improve yourself and improve your content or your work or whatever yeah. rather than just copying what everyone else does blindly because you've got this thing on i mean i kind of hate social media anyway i wouldn't be on it if it wasn't for my business but like when you go on the real section or the tiktok thing it's just those same like sound bites like screaming in your ear every single time it's like oh be original and they've got like 10 likes and you're like it's not working do something else sorry no, i like now. i like that you know what i mean <laughs> it was honest <laughs> So, when I was reading up about terrariums, one of the questions that I saw a lot was, how do you know when you're building your own one, how much plants to put in there without making it look suffocated or for, yeah. or without it make, dying? Because another question which was after that, maybe you might be able to join the questions, was um, a few people were saying that their terrariums were dying. And it could mm. be from overwatering too many plants. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, it's like there are lots of different reasons that they can die. Um, but those reasons that you mentioned are the most common. So overwater I'd say the two most common ones, at least these are what I've written about on my site, are overwatering and using unclean materials to begin with, both of which will lead to things molding and dying and rotting. Um, definitely using too big a plants is um that is as an issue as well but mostly because you've got an um enclosed container people don't realize how much water you've already got in the soil and in the moss and in the plants that you use yeah. so they'll like pour in extra water without realizing that there's already water in there and all you need to really do is mist it so my top advice to anyone is like i have i have never seen a terrarium dry out that i haven't accidentally left the lid off 
It's only the, the, like nine times out of ten, it's because I've overwatered it, and I still do it sometimes. Um, so just don't don't water it nearly as much as you think you have to. Just give it a light spray. Use distilled water or rainwater if you can. Okay. Tap water can be fine, but it contains chemicals and minerals that, in a closed environment, can damage stuff. Um, and uh, what was the other thing? Oh yeah, using unclean stuff to begin with. So if you just like picked up some random glass, like if you're using an old pesto jar or something, which you can do. Just like really, really thoroughly clean it beforehand. Make sure everything you're using is sterile, basically. Okay, that sounds cool. You talked yeah. about having a nine to five and deciding that you wasn't happy in your nine to five. Mm. Now, this I know is great advice for people out there who has a nine to five. Trust me, I know. Right? Mm. Mine is more like a eight to six. But yeah. <laughs> for anybody who wants to go out and build their own company and is afraid to take that leap, what would your advice be to them to help them get out of that, you know, constant soul-destroying cycle? Yeah, it's hard. I'd love to, to know that I could give good advice about something like that because I've done it once. So I know that I've only done it once. And so it may just be that the fates aligned. It was like during the pandemic, I'm of a certain age. I don't have people who are dependent on me. Yeah. So I know that this advice wouldn't apply to everyone. Like if you've got a kid or a kid on the way or I don't know, X, Y, and Z, things in your life could be different. The way I decided to do it was very much just a fuck it, a fuck it kind of thing. Like I'm just going to try knowing that I had certain safety nets, uh, knowing that I could fall back and get another job if I needed to. So I think okay. the first thing is like, okay, do I have safety nets? Is there anyone who depends on me? Do they have safety? Do we have fail saves here? Contingency plans? Like if this goes to shit, do I have a backup? If you do, and if, if you don't find them, find out how to set those safety nets up. If you do have the safety nets, find out when would be the best time to jump. It's probably going to be as soon as possible. I would say the it's very easy, I think, to tell yourself, oh, tomorrow or oh next year when i've got this thing oh, i'll get the promotion first and i'll get this money and i'll save it and then i'll do it or in a lot of for a lot of people it's like i'm ready to jump but i don't have an idea and i don't even i i wish i knew how to advise people to find an idea my best advice for that is to not try and find an idea but at least what i did was just try and participate in the world as much as you can and at some point, an idea will probably come to you. And it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be original. I think the advice for people trying to find an idea and taking that jump is often like, oh, find a problem and solve it. And that makes sense. But for me, I don't really see how me making terrariums is really solving any problems. I just think it's cool. And other people think it's cool and it's fun. And there weren't that many people doing it. Great. Having a chip van. I mean, I guess you could say that you're solving the problem of there not being a chip van somewhere. But... I would say it's more about, like, for me, it was, you know, just cooking and trying my hand in art or making terrariums. I can't remember. I did other stuff, but I can't remember what it was. Socializing in new ways, like joining a class, like just exercising, just trying to throw yourself into as many things in the real world, reading, whatever. Watching, like, video essays on YouTube about, like, ancient Rome, like, whatever. Just get stuck in, basically. And at some point or another, you might think, Oh, you know what? I could do that. Or there's a way in which th this hasn't been done. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to immediately become this business and this thing that you make money off of. I did. I started to do something before terrariums that sort of worked and it could have worked really well. I think I'd actually probably be making a lot more money, but I wasn't enjoying it. So I stopped and then I did this other thing. So you just, 
I think it's about trying as hard as you can to do that and also to see that as play rather than work. Because for me, the first like maybe year of this business, I was like doing four hours a day. So I'm just turning my sound off on my phone um, and then being like, oh, well, I'm done. I call it a day, you know, because it was just I was still seeing it as work. And I was like, oh, well, if it's work, I'm just going to I can do what I want. I'm going to do four hours a day. It's fine. But obviously, as things grew, I was like, I really need to be doing like 10 hours a day, yeah. 12 hours a day to be able to make this work. And then I was just thinking, oh, God, the thought of doing 12, 10, 12 hours of work a day, that's so much worse than a nine to five. But then it was coming to the realization that I could see what I'm doing not as work anymore and as play and enjoying it. And the stresses and pressures of what I would consider work alleviate, you know, and you yeah. can just enjoy it. I like that. That's yeah. really good. That is actually really good advice, Joe. Oh, I hope it helps someone. Oh, it definitely does. Tell me about a time where you overcame an obstacle, but because of the love of what you're doing, like therapeutically or anyway, mm. it helped you get over your obstacle in life. Is there anything that you would like to share? Um. So a time in which what I'm doing now in terms of making terrariums has helped me overcome an obstacle. Yeah, it could be the passion for what you do. It could be that you were going through something in your life, but you emerged yourself in the therapeutic part mm. and the nature of loving what you're doing that helped you overcome it. Has there ever been a time when that's ever happened to you? I suppose that it sort of ties back. It's kind of the same answer as what I've, given in a sense that doing this business starting this thing has kind of freed me from a lifestyle which i was really dreading going down by the way quick caveat nothing wrong with a nine to five nothing wrong with making a living in an honest and traditional way like nothing at all my general rule is like if you don't feel if you enjoy what you're doing and or you don't feel like a schmuck while you're doing it that's good but if you're doing what you're doing, whatever it is, whether or not you're working at McDonald's, you're an investment banker, but you feel like a schmuck, that's when you need to figure out something else to do. And I yeah. felt like a schmuck because um, I wasn't learning. I wasn't learning anything. Like I was desperate in this job that I was in to like do as much stuff as I could and like join every like program and every extra curricular activity I could try. But I was learning like nothing. And the joy of doing what I do now is that I get to like put my hand in so many pies. And I think the point that I realized I'd gotten far enough in terms of being secure with this business that I knew there was no threat of having to go back, at least I hope there's not, that probably is the point at which I felt like a real, I don't know what point that was because it wasn't really, there wasn't a one singular moment, but the point at which I felt like, you know, relief and relaxed and like a, breath of fresh air just like stayed with me you know what I mean so I guess that I love that when was mm. the last time you felt totally at peace with yourself um now I'm pretty at peace now I like that. <laughs> oh, no, that's cool I like that yeah, I love I, when people I say that the it most, lets me know I'm doing the, the right most, thing yeah the most content at least I remember myself being is probably when I went, I went traveling. I did a classic gap yard thing when I was um, 19 post-school pre-uni. Um, and I did like the typical thing, like Fiji, uh, Oceania and the Southeast Asia, a couple of countries. 
And I think then there was a time I started off very anxious in certain places and stuff, but I just became so peaceful and so like tolerant and non judgmental and like, like a bus, I'd miss a bus in Australia and I'd have to wait like 12, 14 hours in a bus stop. And I'd just be like, all right. And I just sit in the bus stop for 12 hours and I'd be absolutely fine. Like I was just so content. And I don't know if I'm less content now or less, I'm probably less tolerant. I'm probably a bit more judgy, um, but maybe just because it's kind of fun sometimes to be judgy. But yeah, that maybe was my most like tolerant and peaceful time, I suppose. I'm laughing because it's just the way you said it. I was just cracking up through the most of it. <laughs> what are you most proud of that you stand for as an individual? Um, yeah, that is that's a good question, isn't it? In terms of values. Like again, I suppose I, I struggle I struggle to write down what my values are on like a piece of paper. Um it's not that I'm not principled, but I am careful. I think there's a thing these days, and I mean, I'm hesitant to say the term these days, but people seem very, very eager to take stances on things, which isn't wrong. It's good to have a position and it's good to fight for what you believe in. But I do think there's a propensity for people to jump to believing in something at the expense of having a more rounded discussion, which may lead to a more balanced and nuanced opinion, which may bring more people together. Um, and I suppose that is what I would hope my core value is, is trying to, I mean, yeah, trying to balance things, trying to bring some kind of harmony between people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree with you there. If there was one quote that you had to choose that represented who you are as a person, I'm sure you've heard this before on my show as well. What one quote would you choose and why would you choose that particular quote? Oh, I actually don't have anything ready for this. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's a great uh, oh, That's a great question as well. So full of great questions. Um, God, a good quote. I don't know if I have an answer for that, to be honest. I wish I did. Do you know what? I did philosophy, so you think I should have like, a Rolodex of quotes. Not necessarily. Like, Not necessarily. But I don't know if I do. I sort of. Um, oh, I'm going to sound like such a wanker, and I don't. I don't really mean this. I'm not anti-quote, but I think there's something about uh, the kind of Instagram version of quoting things that has somewhat turned me off quotes. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yep. But if I hear a good quote, like a really good one, and I wish I could recall one now, there is something special about like actually being able to. Um, like express something complex simply and beautifully is such an amazing thing to do and obviously that is basically poetry and everyone's been given the tools to do that through something like Twitter but very rarely does anyone actually ever do it so there's kind of just like a in my mind right now I'm just looking at a sea of shit and there's probably a piece of gold in there but I'm not quite sure where it is I don't want to dive in, in and shit. find it <laughs> covered in shit that's why yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man so if i was to put you on an island if i if i said to you joe listen i'm gonna take you to a beautiful island the only thing is you're gonna be stuck there for about 48 hours mm. and you're only allowed to take a president an activist and a musician with you who would you take yeah. with you 48 hours 
Because I heard this question once before, but I didn't hear the stipulation of 48 hours, so maybe that changes things. If it was 48 hours, I might go for pure chaos, and I'd bring on Donald Trump. Oh, Lord. Greta, Greta Thunberg oh. and maybe Ozzy Osbourne. Do you think you'll his... come out alive? <laughs> yeah. Ozzy Osbourne at the peak of his drug addiction. <laughs> I reckon those three together would be like... And me would be like absolute chaos. <laughs> also in a survival setting. I mean, Greta would probably take the lead. <laughs> but you'd probably end up beating Donald after like Holy 24 shit. hours. You'll see fireworks from that island. Yeah, it'd be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Holy yeah. cow. I love everything. Oh, boy. I love <laughs> oh, you know what? I'll get one of those, you know, those phones. I can't remember what they're called right now where I'm shouting. From where I am to you saying I'm coming, oh, yeah. just prepare yeah, them yeah, because yeah, I'm yeah. coming. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna have to have one of those from me because I wouldn't be <laughs> I wouldn't be able to get on your island if those <laughs> Yeah, I mean it'd be a hell of a hell of a scene. I mean what's more balanced than that? <laughs> I was gonna say just give them all some weed, but I couldn't really say that right now, could I? I mean yeah, we could try that. Could, I mean Ozzy will have it. I know Ozzy will bring have it. it. Yeah, so we'll we can do that. We'll see what happens to maybe Trump would just bellow out. Maybe he'll just be like, Oh man, I should I was wrong. I didn't win the election. You're right. Sorry, Grassa, you're all right, you know. <laughs> be fine. Oh, <laughs> I could mediate. Man. You could mediate. Yeah. Do you know what? I'll give you I'll give you a dictaphone and just give you a couple of batteries and just let you record that forty eight hours. Yeah, yeah. This should be a TV show, man. I think so. I think yeah. so. We're onto something. We're onto something. If yeah. if there was one song that was the soundtrack of Joe's life, what would it be, and why would you choose that particular song? He's like, oh, I don't know. I don't um, know. Somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> I don't know. I love. Oh, it's a redundant statement. I love music. I love all kinds of music. I love diving into new things. I keep coming back to this. I'm I'm so sorry because I feel like I'm copping out of so many of your questions. But I I suppose I struggle with music, right? Personally, mm -hmm. I'm just I'm just you're giving me questions. I'm just talking about something else. But whatever. <laughs> with music, I'm one of those people that really, if it was first like musicality versus lyrics, I'm all about the music. Okay. Like I, lyrics, I love lyrics, like vocals in terms of them being an instrument. And sometimes the semantics of a lyric, uh, lyrics I can really enjoy. But I feel like I barely ever pay any attention to what anyone's saying in the lyrics because like, I rarely understand it. It's like poetry. I have no idea what the fuck's going on. So I don't read poetry. But I love the sound and the instrumentality of music. I don't know if I could possibly capture a song really that I feel like represented my life because I don't really know what my life is or how it could be represented musically. I don't. I just don't That's know. A good what, way what of represents your? It. What's your song? Do you have one? I. <clears throat> I am a big jazz lover. Yeah. But I'm a bit like you, where and this is going to sound really bad. I don't like lyrics in jazz music. Yeah, I would agree. So do you listen to like Alpha Mist and You Said yeah. Days and all those guys? Yeah. yeah, but the funny thing is, and not a lot of people know, that I am a professional songwriter. So, <laughs> so it kind of oh, yeah. contradicts <laughs> what I'm trying to say to you, Joe. 
because at the same time, it doesn't matter how many awards you've won for your writing. Mm. Um, you always find the stillness in listening to just music with mm. no words. And I think that's what happens with me. I listen to the stillness of just music and tone and levels and my ears are just like the peak of yeah listening to that and obviously playing a piano for me and writing lyrics and not writing li- lyrics i've never been a person to want to write for myself i've always been an ambient person to write for other people so basically mm. i see their lives i tell their stories for them and that's a beautiful thing but for me personally jazz is a huge part so i'm pretty much like you in a way where i don't have a set song but Mm. because i find these questions hard myself don't think for a second that i haven't (laughs) had to answer them myself yeah Um, yeah. but it would be a beautiful composition of jazz music combined with classical music which a lot of people think i don't actually listen to but i do love classical yeah, music too yeah. because of I love the emotion that. that's such a good answer that's also now my answer okay there is a song now that you've said it by um ezra collective or there two songs together that i really like and i can't remember i think one of them's called the philosopher which obviously i suppose matches up somewhat and then there's another there's two songs that link off from each other i can't remember what it is but it's a really beautiful pair of songs together and i suppose if i'd like a song or a pair of songs to represent me it might be those two good things come in a pair yeah yeah (laughs) i was thinking of something else there (laughs) what is the best advice you have ever received from somebody that has helped you in your life Mm, i can give them a real answer to this question um uh, I've never received any advice. No. Um, <laughs> I, uh, well, my brother gave me advice. That I think my dad gave to him, which was do the right thing. And it was just that. It was just like, look, whatever it is, just do the right thing. And obviously it's tricky because what is the right thing That's in true. any one situation? Mm-hmm. One person's right thing, maybe the other person's wrong thing. But fundamentally, choosing what you believe is right is right now that i'm saying that i'm thinking about what a lot of people's idea of being right is mm-hmm. and it's very wrong but to me what it meant was do right by other people be kind you know do do what you know is as morally just as possible and as forgiving and as tolerant as possible in any given situation if you if you're presented with a situation where you can help people do the right thing this is a really random one and it came to the top of my mind. How do you think the world will be if there were no rules or laws in the world? Just because of what you just said. What, like there's no legislation, there's, there's no courts? No, there's no legislation, there's no courts, there's no judges, there's no police. Yeah. How do you think the world would be? I mean, the world wouldn't be what it would... If Is it that... In this scenario, is it that it, everything gets switched off from now or that it's it never developed? Do both. Okay. If it's switched off from now, holy shit, it would be fucking <laughs> chaos. Everyone would be dying. Everyone would be getting killed. Like, we'd be fleeing the cities. I would be tracking back to my parents' house, raiding the nearest farmer, getting a gun, 
setting up fortifications, like it would be mad. There's no way that's going well. There's too many. There's too many people alive for that to go well. Like I would think it would be absolute chaos. But also, I don't think it could happen. Like someone, it's human nature to try and instill a hierarchy. So in the in the vacuum of it, unless there'd been some supernatural power put on people which removed that part of their brain. It, it, they would someone people would be trying to strike up rules all over the place you know so i guess it would become a power struggle but in a more to be yeah i i suppose if we live with less rules i don't know it's hard to say isn't it to what extent the rules that we live under are beneficial and when they get put over the line that makes it detrimental i suppose i can think of examples in which more rules have been definitely a bad thing, and I could argue something more libertarian. So, like the war on drugs in America, for example, that has devastated not only South America but the world, and we're all reeling from that every day. Like the effects of the cartels getting that much power is horrible. I was reading the other day about what's happened to um, uh, the like the South Pacific Islands, like Fiji, and I went to Fiji, and it was so amazing. And to hear what's happening to that country is very sad. And that is because of more rules in America, more legislation, more restrictions. Um, so I'm definitely on the side of more freedom. And I'm, I would not consider myself a proponent of free speech in the way that some people associate being a proponent of free speech with today. But I'm very much pro people being able to say what they want up until the point at which it becomes inciting violence. And literally up until that point. No matter how horrible and shitty and distasteful and off-putting as it may be, I think they have to be able to say it. Unfortunately, like freedom is having to listen to some shit that you don't want to listen to. Ironically, like you know, it kind of requires everyone to be able to do that. Um, and we get this kind of thing now with people arguing for more and more censorship in certain ways, which is a form of instill instilling more rules. And I get the sentiment and I get why people want, want that because they basically don't want to allow potentially harmful cabals to be able to grow and it's valid. But I think that the longer term, I think that the real thing that's encouraging those cabals to grow is being shoved aside, is being have more rules created around the thing. You know what I mean? Yep. So I'm probably pro less rules, but there's a certain point which I'm like, but I still want the courts. Yeah. I still want some police. You know, I don't want guns here. Like, you know, we'll just keep it like that. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a fan of guns either. I've been yeah. hearing a lot about guns and, and, you know, the people who seek the power of using them against yeah, people. Yeah, they're no good. You Have know? you ever shot a gun, just out of curiosity? Do you know what? That's, that's a good question. Someone was saying to me, um, <clears throat> I think it was just yesterday, actually my business partner was saying to me just yesterday that they'd done a, a musical. And in yeah. the musical, they'd done that's what the musical was about so people having so much opinion about guns but they've never ever picked them up and that was the mm. that's what i've never ever picked up a gun in my life but i've never said this before and i'm going to say it in a podcast mm. when i was i think 18 or 19 i went to stay at a family member's house and i didn't know that my family member let somebody in the house and they were just our friend but we didn't know that that person had a gun on the on them fuck 
on them and they pulled it out in the house. Oh. Yeah, that was a day to remember. That's fucking scary, man. Yeah, it was. And being that age and seeing that, obviously your mindset can be a lot different, but I'm so humbled that I grew up fast within my mind to be peaceful and to be... Not that you should be ready for something like that, Joe, Hmm. but you were ready for something like that. Thank God the person did not use it. They just got out when we said get out, basically. Mm. And that was the end of the the thing. But, yeah, I'm happy to share that with people to know that, you know, sometimes the, <laughs> sometimes you may think a certain person's life is a certain way when it's not. We all go through things yeah. in our lives that people are like, whoa, you went through that? Yeah, we all go through stuff. And it's yeah. good to share those stories just like you have in your way or sharing mm. who you are, how you do things, your life being and being so magically intelligent as you are joe to say this is how i feel this is what i do think so that's one of the things i i I don't want to be honest with you joe i don't want to hold a gun Mm. you know and there's this controversy that people are saying that guns don't kill people um people kill people people people. Yeah. yeah well guns definitely kill people i mean I mean, it depends. It's a, it's a it's a language based thing, isn't it? Where you want to assign the thing. I mean, it's a it's a ridiculous argument to have because it's like, well, like it's a person and a gun together. It's a marriage, isn't it? Between the two things, like right. you know, you together. I think for me, I've I have shot a gun in the context of a shooting range yeah, in yeah. Thailand. I did it once, and it was a lot of fun. It felt good. It felt cool to shoot a target and hit it. The same way, I suppose, a uh, hitting a target with an arrow or something or if you've ever done paintball or laser tag or played a video game i've done the arrow one that's cool yeah it feels it's satisfying there's something about it's the thrill of it and knowing that the thing yeah you knowing that you are going with the target and you know where you're going i felt with the the bow and arrows like i felt power in and it's mad how you feel like that yeah you do feel power it's weird and it's kind of that I had that thing where, you know, when you stand on the top of like a cliff and you're like, I could just jump off right now. Mm -hmm. I had this gun in my hand at the range and I was like, I could literally turn around and shoot this guy in the head. Obviously, I had no intention of doing so, but I was like, fucking hell, man. This is a wild amount of power. Like, this shouldn't be... I'm so, like, grateful that we don't have this thing in England where there are already so many guns that trying to get rid of them is moot, like in America. Like, I'm just... I'm like, well, good luck trying to get rid of those guns. Like, there's more guns than people. Like, you're not, yep. that, they're not going away. It's kind of, it would be akin to the war on drugs thing now. Like, if you were to try and get rid of guns, I'm not saying don't put limits on guns in America. Obviously, I agree with putting limits on them. But if you try to actually take them away, I think the same thing would happen as did with they did with drugs because the the demand is there from people who see them in a playful way or in a security way, and people who see them for means of like utilizing them for power and aggression and violence the demand is there and the supply is there i'm just so grateful that we don't have that here like even seeing police here with guns is like whoa like i mean i mean maybe i know it's more common perhaps in london to see um police with guns but at least in bristol it's very rare and I've, the only time I ever really see it is if I occasionally see like a raid or someone at an airport airport with a gun, and that really like catches you off guard. That thing about fucking hell, like someone's carrying a lethal weapon in their hand. They have that you know? much power in their hand. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting though how that 
that image changes contextually because like if for example right now at my window i saw someone walking down the road with a machete in their hands i would be very very concerned but i did um i did like three months in tanzania and like doing a volunteering thing and um there were kids just walking around with machetes everywhere and you didn't like, think kids... nothing of it yeah it's just like whatever they got they got they got swords you know like it's fine just because I, I don't really know why but i suppose that's just part of not even culture it's just ingrained in an aspect of their lifestyle like there's a use for it i suppose so maybe there are circumstances in which that's the case for guns but it's not quite the same thing i suppose we went off on a rant joe i think <laughs> yeah, we have gone on a few rants today. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've only got two more for you. Yeah. Sure. And the second to last one is what would your what would you like your legacy to be? You have so much to go for, you have so much to do from now, but what would you like mm. your legacy to be? Only when you decide that you are done in the world and you decide to be in that peaceful, peaceful place where you build me my you know aquarium yeah, yeah, yeah. in my house and stuff and um you decide you're done how would you like people to remember you or what would you like to be remembered for yeah that's a good question and it's not something legacy that i've i'm very much kind of on the mindset of not necessarily when you're dead you're dead in a super atheist way but i suppose i haven't gotten so close as to thinking about what I want people to remember me for, but I definitely, I want to properly capture the way that I see the world and try and usefully articulate it in some way that helps other people see the world in a fuller way, in a more complex way, and in a more useful way that allows them to be quote unquote better people. Um, because I think there's a way that I see the world that obviously I'm sure is not unique, but I think if I could articulate it and deliver that to people, it would be useful. And so I suppose I would love to leave behind some form of intellectual legacy or academic legacy whereby people can use something from me that helps them see things in a new way and see the um, see reality from a more multifaceted perspective you know which allows them to be more rounded people and less narrow-minded than some people are that's actually a beautiful way of having a perspective of seeing things you know mm. i think that's really really nice so my last question for you before we depart and i've totally loved this everything we've spoken about i've totally loved it is yeah, it's been great. It's flying, flown by. It's flown this by. House. This has been great. Our, our sixty minutes has flown by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is I would love for you to be able to tell people where they can find you. If anybody would like to contact you the same way I have been abundantly blessed to, how mm. how can they contact you, Joe? Well, um, a myriad of ways. To be honest, you can find me probably most readily on Instagram at ohm.home, which is ome.home. The business is just called Ohm, though, before a lot of people call me Ohm Home. Um, also, email, contact at ohm.design. Um, those are probably the two best ways to find me. I will say, and this is a podcast exclusive, um, that I have, we've recently got, because I should have mentioned this earlier, I'm a piece of shit. Me and my partner run this business together. She's not in here. Um, but we have Aww. got um, a shop lined up, a physical retail shop, which we've not had yet. 
Uh, we've just been working in a studio. I can't say where it is. I'm not going to say where it is, but it's in Bristol. It'll be coming close to the center. So if you're in the area, follow me on Instagram. Keep your eyes peeled. I'll have lots of lovely goodies in the local area very soon. Oh, I love that. See that, guys? If you're in Bristol or near or around, start going searching for Joe. You know, it will all be Just in the don't description. Bring a machete. Oh my gosh, do not even think of doing that. There's going to be a sign on the door no machetes. Just love. Love, yeah. peace, and <laughs> happiness. Yeah. Love, peace, and happiness, and yeah. maybe a cocktail. Yeah, those are all the good things, Joe. And this is where I say thank you for your magical, intelligent, funny, <laughs> beautiful mind and for ca- taking your time to come on the Ask People podcast to express what you do, how you do it creatively. But most of all, just be authentically yourself. I really appreciate you. No, I've, I've, I've really enjoyed this. I wish this could uh, go on for two more hours. I've, this is my first one I've done, but I think the way you constructed this podcast is brilliant and I'm really grateful to have been on it, so thanks. You know, I could talk to you for another 10 months probably. Yeah, let's do it. Run, <laughs> to run on about so many different yeah. things. That would be so cool. Oh, guys, I want to thank you so much for listening to the Ask People podcast. And please remember, you can subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and any other platform that you prefer listening to. Please also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can also donate to the Ask People podcast by simply going to the Savvy Rocks website or just typing in paypal.me forward slash us people podcast guys thank you so much for listening stay happy stay positive and as always please continue to be kind to one another Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I thoroughly, uh, thoroughly enjoyed doing that. I've always wanted to do something podcasty, you know, like that's another thing that in my life, not necessarily podcast, but some form of audio thing, you know, so it's really nice to be able to do this, you know.